Hey, indie filmmakers, I'm Griffin Hammond. I'm Nick Bodmer, and today, how did Griffin manage to drop and break both his camera and a lens? Griffin, how did you do that? That's a good question. <laughs> well, you know that I went to Des Moines, Iowa to cover the campaign trail. I do. I do. I'm doing work with this company called Recount. The Recount. We make political recap videos, and they sent me on the campaign trail to cover several presidential candidates. It was a lot of fun. If you haven't seen this video, you should go to griffinhammond.com. It's right there on the main page. You've seen this video, right? I have. Outstanding. There's lots of fun stuff in it. There's drone shots. There's gimbal shots. You probably saw Elizabeth Warren in the film. Pete Buttigieg is in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Yang is in the film. Yep. I went to an Andrew Yang event and got this press badge. I went because he had Weezer there. Rivers Cuomo. Oh. And I was curious about how this underdog candidate on the campaign trail managed to get Rivers Cuomo on his team and if, to see if that would draw a big crowd. But actually, the weather really sucked in Des Moines that day. So I was going to say, I seem to remember it was like almost raining or something. Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, it was, it was one of the worst days to work in because I'm it's raining on us. It's super cold. I'm worried about like my bag getting wet. No, I think I've lost a battery before because my bag got so wet that a battery just sat in Ooh. water. And that's bad for yeah. batteries, I think. So this time I learned I yeah. should, like, keep an umbrella over my bag the whole time. Um, but, like, hours into this day, I'm, I'm standing there waiting for this Andrew Yang event to start, like, just for hours. Uh, I went early thinking I need to claim a spot, but it turned out I probably didn't need to. And at one point I just uh, – this is – I feel so dumb. I was holding my GH5S – and it had a 100 to 300 millimeter lens on it. And I was starting lens. to put it on my tripod. And before I got it locked on, before the quick release plate was in, my bag started to like fall. Like I could feel it against my leg. It was like propped up on my suitcase and it started to fall off. And I don't know, somewhere in the back of my brain, I thought it was gonna like fall off the entire riser. I thought it was, I thought that was really bad. And so, my instinct was to just let go of the camera. <laughs> Which is not locked in yeah, yet. Worst instinct. I don't know why I was like, let me save the padded bag and all the things inside by <laughs> sacrificing my camera. Uh, and lens. Yeah. But it wasn't something I was even thinking about. It just happened. Uh, so the, the camera slipped out of my... So it, it smashed. Yeah. It just landed like lens first on the ground in front of me, which... And that's a heavy lens, so it, I mean, it hit hard. Yeah. And actually, like, surprisingly, the lens didn't crack. The The, the glass was fine. But what happened is just mm -hmm. the torque of these two things hitting the ground together, the lens kind of bent, bent the, mount. the mount of the camera out. You can, if you're watching the video version of this, you can see the images I have. Ouch. I actually have here... You had a backup body, hopefully? Well, I... Yeah, I mean, luckily, I, I always travel with two camera bodies, and so I had the GH5S and I had the GH5. The GH5 is what I was shooting most of my work with anyway, with the in-body image stabilization. So I actually, if there was one body to break, the GH5S was probably the the okay one to lose. It was the... But I'm guessing you didn't have another long lens. Did that kind of affect your lens choices? Yeah, the, the lens was the bad thing to lose in this situation because... I was about to go, the whole reason I was at 
in Des Moines was to go to this dinner, the Liberty and Justice Celebration, where all the presidential candidates were going to speak that night. And I need to, like, zoom in from the, the stands to get a close-up of the candidates. Right. And that's why I brought the 100, 300, the only reason. And that's the one I broke. So I ended up using the 35 to 100, which isn't as telephoto, but uh, with... I used the extended teleconversion feature and it wasn't too bad. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. So you lose a little light, but other than that. Yeah, and you're shooting, I was shooting 4K, so it crops in, you know, from the full width of the sensor down to the middle 4,000 pixels, and you get just kind of an extra, like, 50% crop. But yeah, that was not good. That's the story. You basically just let go of your camera. (laughs) And it smashed. I mean, I like to blame the weather, and I think I was wearing a glove, and my hands were freezing, and I could barely feel my fingertips. I think that's part of it. But really, we should blame the letting go of the camera. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because... So what... Uh, wh- <laughs> I'm going to ask you, what lesson would you say that our audience should take from this? Is it don't <laughs> let go of the camera when it's <laughs> just basically precariously perched on top of a tripod? Well, you know what's funny is... In a minute, I'm going to talk about Lumix Pro services and the, the service I use uh-huh. to fix my camera. But what's funny is that as part of Lumix Pro services, they send you this nice peak design strap for your camera. Like, hey, idiot, maybe use this and don't drop it on yeah, the ground. Yeah, maybe I should have been wearing the strap. Yeah. Is it like the little just like wrist strap? No, it's actually like a full neck strap. Ah. Yeah. The leash or something? Is that what it's called? No, I think all the, the wrist straps are leashes, aren't they? I always think that's what they are, and they're oh, not. maybe. Yeah, so, I don't know. I always get it backwards. I have the little wrist strap always on my camera. Yeah. Here, see? It's in the shot now. It's blurry, but that, that's the peak design wrist strap. I love that. I mean, this is kind of just the danger of the work I do, is that I'm running around with gimbal well, and drone exactly. and two camera bodies, and, and just necessarily I'm always going to be, like, dragging a bag behind me and, or like... There's just too much stuff. I mean, this this was a shoot where I probably brought too much and probably needed an assistant. And just so thinking about doing an important shoot like this, it's not out of the realm of possibility that someday you could experience some sort of catastrophic failure where you lose both bodies, like something smashes into your bag or something. What would you do? I mean, just go try and find the closest camera shop and buy a camera. Or what, what's well, your yeah, plan like for that actually was in my head like before. Before I even left for this trip, it was weird, almost almost like I expected this to happen because I, I contacted one of my friends at Panasonic just right before I left. I said, hey, I'm going to Des Moines. Is there any chance there's a Lumix authorized dealer in Des Moines, uh, you know, just in case I need one? And what's crazy right. is he was like, no, actually, in Iowa, there isn't. <laughs> Uh, not just Des Moines, but all of Iowa. Yeah, I think I, I can't remember, but I think it may be a dead zone of, of at least off of Panasonic coverage. At least authorized dealers. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I don't think there's like a. I, I couldn't find a major camera store in Des Moines. I don't think. I'm sure you could have, like, uh, in the middle of the night, driven to somewhere in Illinois and found one. Yeah, been there in the morning. But this was one but, of those things where I like I broke the camera probably an hour before I had to be at the next thing where I was going to yeah. need that camera. So you need to have So do you carry both bodies in the same bag? Let me ask that question. Yeah, I mean usually one's in my hand, one's in the backpack behind me, but yeah, they're usually both on me. So I mean, I could definitely see a scenario where my like my whole bag goes in the river or something 
and I got two camera right. buddies in there. And then you just say, well, I'm not shooting this today. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I just accept that that's like the normal risk of filmmaking. Right. That there could be a day where everything goes wrong and you just lose everything and you have to scrap the day. Um, but that I don't think that's actually ever happened to me. So you've got this broken camera and you you send it into some sort of Lumix repair program? Yeah, so they have this new program called Lumix Pro Services, which there are two levels. There's like red subscription, which is free, and there's platinum, a platinum subscription, which costs $200 a year, and it's for people who have a lot of Lumix gear. And then what you get is like two-day shipping both ways is free, and they it only takes them two days to repair it. So it's just kind of like a priority service. I send the stuff in. Okay. They send it right back to me. In a, you know, I think all in, it was like six days. So all right. if you broke, so here, I'll show you. I actually have this as a, a souvenir. I have half the little mounting bracket from my GH5S that just like snapped off in the fall. Uh, and then if you can imagine the mounting bracket on the other side on the lens, it was just bent this whole little metal part um, so it was bent on the camera it was bent on the lens neither you know you, you couldn't pop the lens on another camera I tried like that was my first could you get it off yeah I was able to get them apart from each other and I think that kind of finished the breaking of the <laughs> bracket on the GH5S <laughs> and it was a permanent process <laughs> but then I, I I gingerly tried to put the 100 to 300 millimeter lens on my GH5 body, thinking like, is there any chance I could still use this lens? But it was just clear that the, its bracket was bent enough that it wasn't going to attach. But uh, so, so you sent into the service, and bada bing, bada boom, you had it back in six days or something. Yeah, and they give you a 20% discount off the repairs. So actually, as soon as I did it, I thought. This seems like probably a $200 repair for the lens and a $200 repair for the body. And I wasn't yeah. far off. I think the total cost was 319 to fix both. Okay. But that wasn't too bad. And that's the cost of doing business out in the world. Um, that's right. That's better than buying all new gear. Yeah. And that's that's fat is fast turnaround. Like you can imagine it taking weeks and weeks with some companies yeah and apparently i mean i haven't needed to use it before but apparently if you have an issue where like you send in your gear and it's going to take a long time for them to repair it i guess they'll send you a loaner in the meantime oh that's handy yeah but can this says it's a pro service can anyone use it who owns a lumix camera or what, what I, qualifies you for this red membership i'm not i'm not sure the full extent of their their qualification process, but I know that the the bare minimum is that you need to own a certain quantity of their gear. Like, I think for, I think for the platinum membership, you might have to own two bodies and at least like four lenses or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think with the basic free red membership, which doesn't have the expedited shipping, uh, I think maybe it's just one, maybe it's just one lens and one camera body. I should stop it, it speculating like about things one. I'm not sure about the it's, details. I looked it up. It's one camera body for red. And for platinum, it's two bodies and four lenses. Yeah. So red is easy. 
and platinum you need to so you both have to have a bunch of gear and you have to pay two hundred dollars for for platinum, platinum membership yeah. but i guess if you have that much gear and this is your um you know this is how you make your living that's probably a pretty easy decision to sign up for that yeah kind of like insurance covering the, the shipping and the time yeah so yeah, well, that's cool. In the end, I'm it all glad worked it out. All got fixed, and you got your project done, and no one was the wiser. Yeah, but I am. I'm like sometimes I feel dumb carrying around an extra camera body because I just feel like I'm lugging extra stuff around when like I'll shoot a, a whole day and I'll only use one camera body. But this just taught mm-hmm. me like, nope, I always do need to. <laughs> yep. You might also consider just not letting go of the camera. Right. <laughs> just another pro tip. But it's the the campaign trail is rough. Like this is where I've like lost the most gear and broken the most ND filters in the past just because you really are like running around trying to make you know cover the news it's just a little bit more hectic than most of like the client shoots so you I do. covered the last election and you're gonna cover this one too it seems like is that accurate yeah i don't know if i'll be on the campaign trail as often as i was for bloomberg but because uh, a lot of the work i do for recount is editing work right so actually are you a are you a recount user? I am a recount user. You've I think I've got the app right here. Downloaded the iPhone app. So the Re- main product count. that Recount makes, and I encourage anyone to check it out if they are into politics, is they make a daily recap of political news, just called the Daily Recount, which is a five minute video and it gives you a great look at everything you missed if you weren't watching cable news all day. Uh, and it's really well edited. We have a, a strong editing team here. I worked on that product near the beginning, but now these days I'm just working on features. So I've been editing like a series called Rewind, where I look back at political history every week. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So if you download the app, you go to Rewind, you'll hear my voice. You'll see my edits. I'm actually working in Premiere for those projects. Premiere, huh? For the first time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of had to like pick it up for this, uh, for this work. And what do you think? Are you a convert? I this is my opinion about Premiere and and Final Cut. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I could do a deep dive on every little thing that bothers me about Premiere uh, and every little thing that bothers me about Final Cut. But I think what it comes down to for me is if I'm doing graphics heavy work, like the stuff I do for a Recount, it'll be like a piece of video, and on top of that there might be an adjustment layer, and on top of that there might be a lower third graphic for who's talking. And on top of that, there's a source graphic that tells you where this piece of video came from. And on top of that, there's another graphic or some effect layer that I've put on it. And then on top of that, we have the bug for the whole video that says the recount up in the top corner. Uh, And I think when I'm working with that many pieces all stacked on top of each other, Premiere is a lot easier to work in because it's easier to select a bunch of things at once, move them all together, or drag the out points at the same time. But the thing that Final Cut does so great is I think anytime I'm doing documentary style work. So the the piece I shot in Iowa uh, about the Democrats and their ground game uh, a few months before the Iowa caucuses, that piece was all edited in Final Cut. Because I think anytime I'm doing documentary style editing where you're kind of like improvising the in and out points, you're kind of like playing around to see how it feels with sound bites. Uh, that just seems to move a lot quicker with the magnetic timeline, I think. And so you found a place for both in your editing life. Yeah. Because I feel like if you... Interesting. If you are trying to, like... If you're just trying to, like, move 
a soundbite in Premiere, I feel like Premiere is just, you kind of have to know exactly what you want to accomplish with every edit. There's just a lot more like thought that needs to go into moving things around. Whereas I think Final Cut lets you kind of play around in a cleaner way with timing. And when you are editing on the road, what uh, device are you doing that on? I'm using a MacBook Pro, a uh, 15 inch. How old is it? I th- let's see. I, I I mean, I bought it a couple years ago. I think. I feel like you have the 2015 model. Is that not true? You have a newer one than that. Oh, I'm, I was like looking all around, imagining how could I know this? It, it's actually the laptop I'm have in front of me right now. Um, it's a 2017, actually. Oh, okay. So it's got the crappy keyboard. They made a better keyboard or a worse? Oh, Griffin, Griffin, Griffin. <laughs> you aren't aware of the keyboard drama with Apple? No. Well, I'm going to tell you all about it, but first I want to tell you about Squarespace. How's that sound? We should, yeah. Let's do that, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about Apple's newest laptop offerings. Handy Filmmakers is brought to you by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Squarespace is a big time saver for me. I run my website, griffinhammond.com, on that platform. I can share my work, build pages to tell my story, send email campaigns. And one of my favorite things is if I want to send people to external URLs, I set up redirects right on my site so I have control over that. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash griffin to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you, Squarespace. All right. Keyboards. I can't believe... How do you... I mean, we just live in... You, like, live in the political bubble of news, I feel like, and I live in, like, the (laughs) Apple bubble of news. Like, people have been screaming their head off about Apple's laptop keyboards for, like, the last three years or so. Okay, maybe I do know about this because I feel like I've seen like what the keys look like underneath. It's about the springs, isn't it? Yeah, so traditional keyboards have what's called a scissor mechanism. Okay, it's just how the key goes yeah. down and out. And when Apple launched the new MacBook, which was their crazy super thin and light one like three or four years ago. I guess it was more than three years ago. It's like four years ago. Um, they came up with a whole new design called a butterfly mechanism, which they had cool yeah. videos about, and it was so cool. And um, there's way less key travel, so the key doesn't go down as far, which it's actually not a good thing, it turns out, when you're typing. Um, and it was such a fragile mechanism that they just, like, broke all the time like crazy. Like, they'd get stuck or keys wouldn't work or they'd double press. And uh, it made people go insane. And they came out with more multiple <laughs> versions of this. Like, they kept trying to fix it, and it kept having crazy high failure rates. Like, they had to launch a whole keyboard replacement program that said, like, you know, we'll fix your keyboard for four years, even though the warranty is only one year, because they just have oh, so wow. many problems. Anyway, How come people I've hate never these broken? Keyboards. Am I just not, like, an intense keystroker? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, I'm guessing people who, like, write probably hit more keys than someone who edits. Yeah, or like uh, are pro- angrier people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, or people who like eat near their keyboard, which probably isn't a good idea, but I know some people do it. Um, it's like yeah. a little speck of dust under there will like ruin your day. Uh, anyway, I see, yeah. So new laptop, finally, 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 they've gone back to a scissor mechanism. It's actually based on the Magic Keyboard. In fact, they're calling it the Magic Keyboard, which is the desktop keyboard they have. And people yeah. are very happy. 
Um, but in addition, like you said, you have the 15 inch. Well, it's now a 16 inch laptop, even though it's the same size or almost exactly the same size. It's well, like, that's what I was wondering. It, it is the same size. It's imperceptibly bigger. Like if you actually take calipers and measure it, it's a little bigger, but not really. They really just shrunk the bezels. So it's now a full 16 inch right. display, which is nice. Yeah, because I'm and looking at my 15 inch right now and there's like a good almost half an inch or something of like right. dead space around the screen. Right. And that is gone now. So they, uh, it's much nice. tighter and bigger screen. But it's also just, you know, it's got all the latest generation Intel i7 and i9 processors. It can do up to like eight terabytes of internal SSD, I think, which is like stupid. Oh, wow. I mean, can you yeah. imagine? I don't um, think I need more than one terabyte on a, on a laptop, yeah. really. Well, you never know. I mean, you're doing video work, right? You don't yeah. want to deal with externals at all. Um, and what I love is they've doubled the base storage. So it used to be like the base model came with 256. Now it comes with 512. And the storage is, you know, cool. the upgrades are much more reasonably priced. It's just a crazy powerful laptop. It finally has a keyboard you can trust. It's got a bigger screen. Apparently the speakers in it are like, people are super impressed. It kind of came out of left field. Like, holy crap, this laptop sounds really good. Hmm. Do you ever yeah. use the built-in speakers on a laptop? Like, do you ever have to, like, show your work to somebody so you take off your headphones? Of course, yeah. And, yeah. And, so you know, I'll watch, like, Netflix and stuff yeah. on the laptop sometimes, yeah. And they've dramatically improved the quality of the built-in microphone. They say it's studio quality. So if you get yeah. up real close to it, potentially you could do some voiceover work in a pinch, I think. <laughs> to the to the podcast through I, I the mean, laptop mic. I, I mean, it won't sound as good as a pro mic setup like what we do, but I think in a pinch you could make it work, yeah. which is kind of cool. I probably so, almost never used the mic on the MacBook. Like no. maybe I've never used it. Well, like when you're in a business world like I am, like we have like these, you know, like online meetings all the time. I ended up yeah. using that quite a bit. So it'd be nice if that's improved for people. So is there any reason for me to upgrade like my two-year-old MacBook Pro? I thought you had like a four-year-old MacBook screen. Pro. So I was all excited to tell you you had to upgrade. But yeah. two years is, I mean, it's still doing everything you needed to do probably, right? Yeah. Well, honestly... This is my, the laptop I have now is probably the most disappointing Mac I've had. Like, I still love working in the Mac OS, mm -hmm. but I feel like this laptop, I feel like the battery isn't as good as the previous one, like the 2013 one I had. Hmm. And I had to give up all my ports and my HDMI port, you know, and now everything is USB-C, which I'm, I'm okay with that in principle, but coming along with also a worse battery and like also that touch bar... I've never really loved the touch bar. The touch bar is buggy sometimes. Like sometimes you'll go to, to change the volume and it just freezes. And then you just can't change oh, the volume. Really? I've never you heard get that the touch happen. bar to reset itself. <laughs> That's weird. So I, I kind of wonder if in two years they've made the touch bar less buggy. And, you know, it, like Could in be. a weird way, I'm tempted to get a new laptop, even though this one's not that old. I just have never loved you it. You know, all the, that those much. are reasonable complaints, though. And that's one of the things people are still upset about. Like, I, you didn't say it, but I bet you'll agree with this. Uh, there's still no SD card slot anymore, which people love right. having the built in SD card slot. Um, yeah, it's still just uh, USB C, it's still a touch bar. They did return to a physical escape key, because I guess a lot of people really hated having to use the touch bar escape key. So yeah. now the touch bar is on the left, it's a physical escape key. And on the right, it's a physical touch ID button. And then the touch bar is in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Um, My other complaint yeah. is that, and I don't know if this, they fixed this in the last two years, is that I don't think USB-C is a very strong connection for power. Like, 
it slips out easily. And actually, a thing that happens all the time to me, and I think maybe we've talked about this, is that it, it'll slip out like half a millimeter. And I don't even notice. Like, it's still plugged in, but I won't right. be getting power anymore. And it's just, it's not uh, yeah, nearly as secure the as the MagSafe was. Yeah, that's yeah. just the way it is. I do love, in principle, the idea that USB-C can be power, it can be HDMI, it can do all these things, high-speed data transfer. I like that. Uh, but but then practice, you have to have a bag of dongles, annoying. which I carry around. Yeah, I have to carry that hyperdrive thing around with me Yeah, so that I always have a SD card slot. So uh, they're crazy powerful. You can get tons of storage space, tons of RAM, bigger screen, better speakers, same ports, same touch bar. Yeah. Much better keyboard, even though it sounds like you didn't have a problem. But there you go. Well, maybe I should try it out. Maybe Let's I'll price you out one right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build one for you. I'm going to spend your money. <laughs> Please <Let's> see. Don't. <laughs> You're going to do a Mac. We're going to do the Mac Pro 16-inch. You're using an iMac Pro uh, at work now. Is that true? I am, yeah. How's that been? That's been great. And actually, that, that's kind of the funny thing about working in Premiere is that at first, I found myself thinking that Premiere was faster than Final Cut, and then I realized, no, I'm just doing all my Premiere editing on an iMac Pro. <laughs> I'm doing all my Final Cut editing on a MacBook Pro. How much SSD space do you need? I think only one terabyte. So two terabytes? Good. All right. <laughs> Add that to the old bag. Griffin, it's only going to cost you, to review your bag, $3,599 for the uh, laptop I spec'd out here. Yeah, they're expensive. Not too bad. But what do I got? What do you get for that? You're going to get the 16-inch MacBook Pro in Space Gray, of course. I went ahead and upgraded you to the Intel Core i9 processor with eight cores, which is crazy. You'll want all those cores for transcoding. 32 gigs of RAM, really future-proof it. It's got a built-in AMD <laughs> Radeon Pro 5500M video card, which should accelerate... Uh, a lot of those uh, graphics work. Two terabytes of SSD, so you don't have to bring a portable with you. And uh, the rest you know. I think the biggest thing I noticed about working on an iMac Pro compared to the MacBook Pro is just media encoder speed. Like when I'm transcoding uh, a file from ProRes to H.264 Yeah, I think you've got an like eight-core processor, yeah. eight-core Xeon in there. So that's going to be, it's all very multi-threaded. So it can really crank yeah. on it. But when it comes to like editing, I, I, I'm sure there's a speed improvement but it's not it's it's almost negligible i mean it's you you notice it you feel it it's those little like like eighth of a second pauses and lags i mean those are important but it's not like it it's game changing to move to the iMac Pro but you notice it when you're transcoding <sighs> i just have a mac mini so i wouldn't know well my friend it's that time i'm rapidly approaching yeah. my 30-minute mark since i'm stuck right. with a 30 minute limit so i think we have to wrap it up <laughs> yeah it's been good talking to you thank you for sharing all those all those macbook pro details because i was really curious i didn't even know that was coming and then suddenly i will be really interested it. when the 13 inch which will maybe be a 14 inch if they do the same thing yeah because um, that's more my size cool. for a laptop um the 15 is just a little too big for me to carry around every day yeah didn't they used to have a 17-inch MacBook? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I that had that. That was a beast. <laughs> it was insanely big. We could talk about it, but I'm down to 15 seconds, so I think I'm just yeah. going to say All right. Let's get bye -bye. you out of here. <laughs> bye. See ya.
we brought that one in under the wire. 